<clears throat> Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. Uh, it's football time. Tom Deanhart spent uh, a couple days down in Indianapolis this week for Big Ten Media Day. We'll hit that. We will also talk, have a little bit of roundtable discussion about that, and maybe a little update also on uh, Purdue Collective. Lots to talk about. Want to want to thank the Union Club Hotel and the 811 Bistro Boiler Up Bar. Uh, also, Brian, what do you always say? We want to like have people like us on YouTube. Um, yeah, if you're well, watching if us you're on watching, YouTube, I, I you know please, feel free please. to like and subscribe or yeah, whatever those things yeah. are. If, if if you don't like us, then just move along with your <laughs> day. They love us. Is that how it works? Tell them, anyway. tell them what tell them what liking the page means, Brian. They get notifications when there's updates, right? Yeah, I think so. I just think it's important. I think you yeah. get notifications when we post new videos. Now, yeah, exactly. the, the pages I subscribe to, I don't get that notification like real oh, okay. time. I get it like a yeah, day yeah. later. So I don't turn, know yeah, turn notifications what real value it is, but consider it a favor to us. Yes, yeah, that would be great. And we want to thank, uh, like I said, I'd already thanked the Union Club Hotel. And I'm going to start uh, mm. with you, Tom. Uh, you were spent, and Brian wrote an interesting piece this week on on the future of media day, or at least the, the, the landscape. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but some of your takeaways from uh, your visit, not only uh, Tuesday, but also Wednesday with Jeff Brom, uh, uh, just what, what it may have not learned a whole lot of things that you didn't know already, but uh, what were some of the takeaways? Yeah. You know, no great revelations, like you said, from a Purdue perspective, um, Alan, uh, you know, they're all headed toward August 2nd, of course. That'll be the first day of Purdue training camp. There's no official release yet of the uh, full training camp schedule. <laughs> Obviously, we expect that in, in, in very shortly in coming days here before the 2nd, I would think. We'll see how many practices are open, not just to the media, but the public as well. So so there's that. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the same storylines for Purdue, honestly, guys. Uh, um the anticipation, I think, is, is is some of the best that that we've seen under the, in, during the Brom tenure. You know, Cleveland.com puts together, uh, I guess, a de facto official Big Ten media poll every year, and uh, pulling pulling media across the conference. I was part of the poll, and um, Purdue came was picked fourth in the Big Ten West, which surprised me a little bit, honestly, fellas. There are only a couple points or a few points behind Minnesota, which was third. Wisconsin was first. Iowa was second. Um, you could have made a case for Purdue being as high as second, I think. But fourth seemed a little dubious to me. So there's that. You know, uh, in Indianapolis, a lot of attention around Aiden O'Connor, as you would suspect. Uh, of course, uh, Cam Allen was down there, Jalen Graham and Payne Durham, in addition to uh, the Purdue quarterback. So, yeah, you know uh, – we're getting closer to the year, and uh, this is a team that definitely has its questions. I guess one of the biggest things, guys, from an info standpoint, was was just getting an update on some of the personnel who may not be ready for training camp right out of the gate. Now, there's no no cause for alarm here. These guys aren't lost for the year. They, they're supposed to be ready for the opener on September 1st. But uh, the secondary in particular is going to be sort of banged up as camp opens. Corey Trice. Jamari Brown, probably a projected starting cornerbacks. Both won't be full go early on. T. Denson, the Kansas State transfer, won't be full go. So he gets over sports hernia surgery. Um, <clears throat> up front, Lawrence Johnson still dealing with a shoulder issue. He's going to be limited. 
Yeah. Like probably just drill work, uh, receiving core wise, you know, Brock Thompson, I think is going to be monitored very closely as he comes off shin surgery. Uh, Abdur Rahman, you seen with his knee still a little tender. I think they're going to take it easy with him as well. So those were some of the guys off the top of my head. Some of the key guys, maybe projected starters, if you will, who uh, <clears throat> really may not be or won't be 100% coming out of the gate. And just lastly, real quick, I guess another big fun storyline out of Indianapolis. I thought, well, something a little bit more on that. Not today. I may do it on Monday. It's just this Iowa-Purdue rivalry. Um, I think, I don't know if you want to call it a rivalry, but, but you know, I, I think Purdue's gotten under Iowa's skin here. Jeff Brom's 4-1 against the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Got two of his players, too, right? And, yeah, that's what I was going to get to next. Yeah. Then you factor in, now here comes Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones. And we talked to some of the players down there about it. And, uh, you know, I was told by some Iowa media, too, that a lot of Iowa players were really ticked off with Charlie Jones. But when you know the backstory, his relationship with Aiden O'Connor, you can see, and in fact, Purdue's got a good offense. You can see why Jones made this, this choice to come to Purdue. But again, I think that was a sort of an interesting subtext development involving Purdue that sort of, at least you know, on a real micro level, got a, got a little bit of a, a little bit of play. Yeah, Brian, you you wrote, and um, uh, and you can certainly comment on that, but also the Kevin Warren and the, and his, some of his his. Uh, vindication of the fact USC and UCLA are in, are in the league. Any other, from your observing standpoint, uh, and you obviously wrote, we'll talk a little bit about uh, why Media Day is what it is, but uh, what were your, some of your takeaways just from observing it uh, uh, this week? Well, the, the thing with Iowa, I think that's kind of a reflection of the times right now, is yeah. I think you're going to see a lot more of this players yeah. moving from, from one school to another. I don't know if Iowa has any specific complaints about this. Um, <laughs> I have no idea, uh, but I do know that Tyrone Tracy's from Indianapolis. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd imagine he aspires to catch passes. Um, <laughs> being a wide receiver, Charlie Jones obviously goes way back with Aiden O'Connell. He himself is a wide receiver who I assume aspires to catch passes. Um, I think you know the nature of of Purdue's offense. I'm sure is a draw there. Now, whether or not Iowa thinks that Purdue, you know, did some things, I have no idea. Um, I just know that there have been situations in the past where there have been transfers out there seemingly all teed up for Purdue that Purdue, mm -hmm. no one would even speak their name um, for fear of there being any sort of, of, of impropriety suggested. Kids know one another, right? Mm -hmm. High school coaches know one another. All sorts of things can happen third-party-wise and long-standing relationship-wise to make these things occur. I see it all the time in basketball where mm -hmm. if you think a kid might be hitting the portal, you call their AAU coach. AAU coach calls the family and says, hey, you know, all perfectly legal. I mean, I, that that – I." What even constitutes tampering anymore? I have no idea, but there's a million <laughs> ways around it. There's a million ways around it. Um, so, and the people who are transferring normally very much put this out there proactively. When Wandale Robinson was transferring from Nebraska, Purdue and Kentucky were well in the loop on that from his people, um, kind of teeing everything up, you know, for him to kind of jump right into recruiting. 
there. Uh, I can't even remember what the other thing you asked me to talk about was. Well, Ke- uh, Kevin. Oh, Warren. Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren. Yeah, no, no. It, it's just it's quite a quite a uh, I guess flipped script from a couple of years ago when yeah. you know it looked up it looked like the Big Ten had uh, you know uh, kind of a paper tiger paper tiger commissioner who you know, in his defense was trying to do what he thought he was right with the whole handling of, of the pandemic. And in his defense took on a situation there is no handbook for. Yeah. I mean, this was okay. an unprecedented deal. I think he deserved criticism for, you know, panicking, uh, for being naive to not understanding the landscape, for thinking that the Big Ten was going to do this and everybody was going to fall in lockstep behind the mm-hmm. behind college sports moral leader, you know. I think he deserves criticism for that. But when you look back at, you know, then and now where he's kind of this, he's orchestrated. And I understand the TV networks had a lot to do with the whole USC and UCLA thing. Uh, I understand that they were willing um, audiences to the Big Ten's pitch, if not um, driving it all together. But he has proven himself to be this sort of, authority that the Big Ten so desperately needs right now as this Cold War with the SEC advances as the NCAA's you know kind of ultimate tipping point comes I think you know the Big Ten's in capable hands here for you know a position that is going to have to get some blood on his hands to get uh the Big Ten where the Big Ten needs to go right now in a very much dog-eat-dog world when you look at the Big Ten kind of driving that alliance and then, you know, completely let, leaving the alliance, laying in the gutter. Um, at least the Pac-12. I, I like anyway. your Godfather reference. Yeah, it was. It was, Thank it was you. Nice. Um, it's just there's a certain level of Jim Delaney showing up here, where Jim Delaney would have done whatever he needed to do to advance the Big Ten. And I think that you know you're starting to see that. I, I think this is an entirely different Kevin Warren than the one who looked a couple of years ago like this job was way too big for him. Yeah. Tom, I'll let you come on that. I also wanted to ask you just, and I understand we, we, you know, media day really has become a television event, I guess. And it's tougher on people that are actually trying to write good stories and talk individually to guys like you used to be able to do in the round tables. And, but is it worthless for you? I mean, it's not worthless for our readers. You did a good job of putting the stories on the site and it was interesting, but well, how do you view that just as having been around those for years? And as you see the big 10 media days, should they just put it on TV and leave it at that? Or how do you look at it? You can still, you can still grab people. Uh, sometimes you just have to be uh, doing a little unconventional methods outside of their the constructs that media yeah. provide. There's a lot of guys you want to talk the Iowa wide receivers, guys you don't know. You, you even then, guys, people are walking around, they're milling around. So uh, sometimes you can grab people and get them in a little more of an intimate one-on-one if you want. Jeff Brom's always good about that. I'll say that too at those events. Um, <clears throat> after he's done with a lot of his formal duties, a lot of times these guys are just standing around. Guys, they're waiting to do the next thing, like to go do their TV shoot. Or go do a radio hit. There's, they got time to kill as well. So, if you want, you can still grab people, if you will. Um, there was that herd mentality, though. Brian talked a lot about it. Well, I thought he summed up a lot of it uh, uh, succinctly and well. But yeah, you know, um, these events sort of are what they are—a cattle call. 
and uh, storylines get hammered out even in advance, and they get hammered even more once the event takes place. Uh, the talking points, you know, you guys started mentioning those, the conference realignment being a big one. And, uh, you know, Kevin Warren saying that, you know, the Big Ten may not be done expanding. I think that was that was a big takeaway a lot of people had. And Brian talked about, I guess, the cash or swagger that Kevin Warren uh, seemed to display in Indianapolis uh, was also noted by, by many other people here. So, yeah, that was that was picked up and, and, and duly noted by a lot of folks. And and uh, they're, they're a good way to signal this is the start of the season. And uh, I, I think there is still some benefit to having these, honestly, guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to evolve uh, over, over the years, though. You might be in L.A. next year, Tom, so or a couple of years. I think it may be a while. They may not do that to like 2024, yeah. whenever they're coming in the league, I think. Or maybe they may wait until they actually, if they, if, if, if they ever move the Big Ten title game out there one year. So yeah. if I'm a lot of times in basketball, they did that. I think the years they were having the tournament in New York, they had media day in Madison Square Garden. The same with, with Washington. So, yeah, it's probably not going to be right around the corner, maybe as early as 24 which probably makes sense, guys, right? Do it, do it the very first year those teams are coming in uh, to really trumpet their arrival. So, again, I wouldn't be shocked to maybe in a couple of years they do do it out there. Yeah. Brian, I, and I wanted to circle back because, you know, we talked to ADs and Mike Babinski and, not to, uh, and others uh, that really thought that this had all quieted down, meaning the realignment or, or getting, getting teams to join your league. And Kevin Warren seemed to speak, to the opposite of that, or at least saying he's not done. How do you, how do you view that? It just, is that the, again, the way it's just is to be, be nimble and ready and, and who know all bets are off on, on conventional wisdom these days, or how do you see that? Yeah, I don't see uh, anything ever being done, uh, <clears throat> you know, until, you know, the big 10 and the sec have broken off into like separate sports, like the WWE and the AEW or something like that, where they're like separate organizations and they have their own championships within their, within their conferences. But I think that the big 10, obviously they're not done expanding. I mean, I, I they obviously have to get people to sign on, but I don't think you're ever going to say anything to suggest we're done when Notre Dame's still yeah. sitting out there, or I don't think you're ever going to do anything to suggest you're done. Um, when there's still real assets out there that you don't want to you you want to keep leaning on to come your way uh or you don't want to chase to the sec like i'm big into you know the big 10 at least taking a pass at north carolina i I understand there are some acc restrictions there but every contract is made to be broken and if you can get north carolina 10 years from now that's that's fine too but I think the more reasonable path is occupying the rest of the West Coast now that you've mm-hmm. you've taken over Los Angeles. Um, so I think, you know, continuing to speak to Stanford, continuing to speak to, and I don't mean speak directly to them, but put the message out there that, hey, we're still we're still growing here. And, you know, continue to to talk to your TV partners through the media about how, hey, we're gonna become even more valuable a commodity. Here, I think the Big Ten has really set itself up well to have basically, you know, uh, morning, afternoon, evening, and mm-hmm. nighttime programming here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can always have that nighttime programming, that nighttime time slot with just two West Coast schools. I, so it would make sense, you know, for the Big Ten to go 
to still go get a Stanford, still go get a Washington, you know, maybe an Oregon. I don't know what Cal really gives you, but um, four is a nice round number uh, on, on top of the two you already have. Uh, so, no, they're, they're certainly not done. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I don't know why ADs and, and, and commissioners do that where they're like, um, we're done when we all well, know you're and, not and done. Um, to clarify, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm what I said, at least in my, you know, I, 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 think, I think what they, they're saying quiet for right now is what yeah, I think what they're saying is we're just, okay. That's with all, what we that's have all right Mike now. I don't know if that said. necessarily means we're done. Um, right. Exactly. That's my, I didn't want to make that sound like the Babinski said they're done. No, he did. He just, so he what just you want to do quiet. is you want to co- communicate to everyone. You're ecstatic about what you have. Right. While also telling people we want more. Um, so I think that's what, <clears throat> that's what the general message coming out of big 10 media day was, but good for Kevin Warren saying, Hey, we're still going to look at this because so many commissioners and so many ADs, always just talk around that stuff because they don't want to look bad if they can't get it done. You know, I, I think that he, he really kind of portrayed a swagger about him that is befitting a league that's about to, you know, sign a billion dollar media rights deal um, <laughs> and is, you know, sort of the preeminent power in college sports right now. Um, them in the SEC one a and one B uh, depending on how you want to rank them. Um, they're absolutely coming back at this next year, probably, or the year after that, or, or something like that. I, I think you want to keep putting, you want to keep putting pressure on Notre Dame. Uh, you want to keep putting uh, them on the clock, so to speak. Uh, you know, I've, I've said multiple times, you can kind of dare them to do something um, by attacking their their the value of their TV product. If you come out there, if you come out here and say. Big 10 teams are only going to play conference affiliated opponents um, or Big 10 teams are only going to play Big 10 teams. What's to say, you know, we aren't with 16 teams of the Big 10 or however many teams. What's to say it's it's not an all Big 10 schedule here in a couple of years. Um, all of a sudden, is NBC going to give Notre Dame $75 million for, you know, an ACC schedule without Michigan, without USC? Yeah. Um, but if you're going to get Notre Dame, you also don't want to start the relationship by strong arming somebody either. In a perfect world, Notre Dame would recognize the fact, hey, the Big Ten's a perfect fit for us. We're going to make a hell of a lot of money going there. We're going to have access to the playoff. We're going to play marquee games every single week, you know, stuff like that. Um, you'd like for them to come in under those terms, but I think you get them however you can get them at this point. Tom, I wanted to circle back to the the uh, and again, not that it matters, though we appreciate to, that uh, Cleveland.com puts that out. But do you make anything of it? Because it just it just seems like in, in and we're we're obviously Purdue centric and read what uh, Purdue fans are talking about. And of course, everybody at least in West Lafayette, not everybody, but they all use that term dark horse. Or I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue won the West this year, and to be picked fourth. Uh, is that any rallying point for team? Is it surprise? Again, I, the teams that are in front of Purdue all make sense. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but how do you, how did you take that? I mean, you kind of hinted that earlier on, but uh, a little bit of a surprise at fourth, but uh, does it really matter? No, it doesn't matter. Um, 
like I said, they weren't uh, they weren't that far down the pecking order. When you look at the votes received, I got to pull it up right now. Of course, our old friend Nathan Baird of the Journal and Courier yeah. works for Cleveland.com, coordinates this for for the paper or the website. <clears throat> Again, Purdue was picked fourth with 153 points, and Minnesota was third at 162. Minnesota did get two first place votes, which is kind of a surprise. But again, maybe we're all sitting on the Gophers. So now you know it's typical prediction stuff. Alan, you know you can never take anything too seriously, especially I think in the Big Ten West. Right? There is not an Ohio State there. Uh, Wisconsin was the clear favorite in this poll with 31 first place votes. In Iowa was picked second with three first place votes, and Minnesota was third with two first place votes. So. Yeah, um, again, um, there's obviously no need to, to panic or have any concern. Um, uh, again, I think with what Purdue's got coming back personnel-wise, with the schedule they've got, uh, I think, uh, you know, you have to be optimistic. I think the Boilermakers have a chance to maybe make a push toward the top of that Big Ten West. Uh, so, yeah, just a, there's a lot of anticipation. That game September 1st against Penn State's, Filled with intrigue, I talked to Coach Brown about it and some players about it. And I'll have a story on it coming up here at some point, just the importance of that game. And uh, <clears throat> kind of looking at some other big openers in Big Ten history, too, to provide some some type of context. But, um, yeah, again, guys, just a season with a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation right now. Yeah. I have a point right, to make Brian, real quick. When yeah. those preseason polls take place, they're – very often just based off of, okay, who has who back? Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Purdue's in a place yet where, you know, you can lose George Karloftis and David Bell and suppose, yeah. not expect people to kind of look at that and say, that's a lot to lose. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what Purdue has, other than Aiden O'Connell, who's the guy where you, you look at Purdue's team and you say, oh, they've got him back. They're going to be really mm -hmm. good. Is it Payne Durham? Is it Jalen Graham? I, I mean, that's not a lot of known commodity on paper. Um, and it, it's sort of understandable that Purdue this year would, you know, perhaps get overlooked a little bit. And we're talking like they're getting overlooked when we really don't know, you know, how great Purdue's going to be this year. I mean, there's a lot of questions about this team. Who's catching the ball? Who's running the ball? Is the defense going to continue to, you know, um, be as solid as it was last season? You know, kind of stuff like that. You know, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, even the Iowas have have earned year-to-year -year benefit of the doubt. You know, I, I don't know if Purdue's quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's going to be the thing we'll start watching. And before. there yeah. are more – It this is a media poll. Yeah. yeah. And there are way more people covering Minnesota, <laughs> you know, That's than there good. are Purdue. So That's a good point. That's a good point. The, the expanse of people who really know the team that they're they're ranking – is you know pretty limited uh there is a big difference in that regard yeah and we do know the legendary tom deanhart did not give purdue a first place vote apparently so there we <laughs> you know that by by uh, uh which not, is which not. is which is your prerogative and which and speaks volumes about nebraska because there's yeah. <laughs> probably not other than ohio state and michigan there's probably not a, a program in, in the big 10 with more people covering them than nebraska and yeah they're behind purdue so that and, exactly you know that's a good that point and that surprised you. I know you wrote, you said that earlier. Yeah, because you know Nebraska, Nebraska, they always win the off season, right? And there was a lot of hype about this team throughout the winter and spring. And all the transfers saw, too, right? I saw some people had them in like a preseason top twenty fives, 
Yeah, the transfers. I think they had 15 transfers and a couple of junior college transfers as well and a whole new offensive staff, new coordinator, Mark Whipple. So the love they were getting was just astounding. And, um, yeah, so they were – I'm surprised that the, the buy-in didn't continue to that Cleveland.com poll, but it didn't. So, yeah, guys, not to get off on a tangent, but if there is one coach in the Big Ten on the hot seat, obviously it's Scott Frost. I don't think anybody else is really on the hot seat. Tom Allen's not on the hot seat. Uh, I don't think Michael Oxley's on the hot seat. They, they won a bowl game last year. He's got a contract extension. So, really, it's probably just Scott Frost. And some people were surprised he came back this year, so kept his job. So, this is obviously a, a huge year for him. And, uh, and of course, they play week zero, right, over in Dublin, Ireland, against Northwestern, which should be a good game. Yeah, yeah. That's, the that's, Frost hot seat headline potential is just delicious. <laughs> hey, do you guys think all that's season long it's going to be frost and hot seat? And do you yeah. think do you think do you think Purdue would ever give up a home game to go play in Ireland? I don't see what they'd get out of it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I, that game I day revenue. Would that have been Northwestern's home game or? Yeah, Nebraska? that is Northwestern's home game. Northwestern's yeah. making money on that yeah. deal, maybe. On I well, though it's well, all when you, games, right? When you consider their gate, when you consider their game day revenue, it's probably not. You wonder what the teams are getting, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't they know. They have to be making the money up somehow, or else well, it all goes into the Big Ten pie, right? Because it is a Big Ten game, right? So it's it, interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously to cover expenses and and all that, but yeah, I I would be surprised. You know, there, over the years, you know, I know there have been games in in Tokyo and and mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. I remember Wisconsin several couple decades ago playing over there uh crazy but uh yeah it'll be it it doesn't seem like that would be make a lot of sense so you know Notre Dame going there that makes a lot of sense uh at least every every now and then um from that standpoint all right want to we want to and we're kind of wrapping up here but I wanted to ask uh uh we'll have a story or uh, we, we'll put a story up on Friday this is Saturday which is Aiden O'Connell's wedding day <laughs> Right. How in the world? And, and Brian, you, you like you both have written about. Here's a guy that's got a lot of focus, uh, clearly um, has been able to keep his, you know, he focused on what he's got. But he's getting married. Uh, he's done several NIL things, which I think were part of the land, regular landscape for him. But uh, interesting that uh, and then he'll start camp on, on the second uh, the, if it were anybody else, I'd be I'd be concerned. But Aiden seems to have it all together. Uh, uh, Brian, I'll let you start on on that comment. <laughs> Is there anything else more than do you have any any level of concern that Aiden O'Connell's got a lot on his plate this year? Well, it's kind of a really unique convergence of events because you know this is. If not for the COVID year, he would be graduated and he would be starting his life and he would yeah. be, obviously he would would still be getting married and he would be going off to do whatever he's going to do next uh, in terms of either professional football or the quote unquote real world. Um, mm-hmm. NIL comes along just in time for his, you know, his mm-hmm. senior year at Purdue. Um, all the demands that come with being a star quarterback, uh in the off season, you know, it's all kind of happening at once for him. And this is all something that, that, that is brand new. I mean, he didn't, he didn't come up through his first five years at Purdue being NIL guy, you know, he didn't, yeah. he, he, Incredible. he didn't do all this stuff. I'm sure he's had to manage his time very carefully. I'm sure he's had to prioritize a lot of things, uh, but he has a lot of things to manage. He has a lot of things to prioritize. So uh, he's always seemed 
struck me from afar as a uniquely sort of grounded individual, um, extremely, you know, focused, extremely, um, uh, unflinching, uh, in the face of whatever comes his way. And I, I mean, I wouldn't anticipate there being any issues there, but this is going to be a challenge for a lot of guys in his position in, in college football, in college basketball, whatever it might be, because, uh, there are going to be more demands on their time. This is a more, much more professional sort of environment than it was before. And, uh, there are going to be challenges involved with it. You are going to see players who come out of their junior years as stars and they do the star circuit in the off season. And then they turn into pumpkins because it's the nature it's human nature, uh, you know, for that sort of thing to to affect us sometimes. And, you know, I wouldn't anticipate Aiden O'Connell having a problem with it, but someone somewhere is. Yeah. And Tommy, uh, you're, you obviously saw him on. And again, he is pretty stoic, uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, what you see is what you get. Pretty grounded guy. Uh, is that, is that uh, your assessment as well? Yeah, he's going to go to Belize for his honeymoon. Whenever that happens, he told me. Not this week, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucky A is to come back and put on shoulder pads and sweat in the West Lafayette heat. Um, yeah, I tell you guys, I think he's more, I think he's more mature than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jackson Anthrop is too. I marvel at some of these young men and uh, at least, at least how they carry themselves when I'm around them and in, in that type of a setting. And uh, yeah, just so mature beyond their years. And I asked Aiden too this week about, I think it's going to be, some, you know, he's marrying his fellow student athletes, somebody who's played college sports at the high level. So he'll be under the same roof with somebody that can, he can really commiserate with and share with as well. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, this reminds me of the BYU football players you always heard about. who we were always married and uh, they do even take a more professional approach to things. So in some ways, I think it could be a real benefit, you know, it's kind of in that next phase of growing up and, and Aiden O'Connell's taking that next phase. And um, again, to have that level-headed maturity at a position like quarterback, boy, what a value that is to, to the rest of the teammate. Knowing when you get in that huddle, look, things are crumbling around you. And you know adversity's coming, guys. Adversity comes every Saturday for every team. How you respond to it is key. And I think he's the kind of guy that can keep everybody calm and focused on that very next play. And, uh, and again, what a, what a nice benefit for, for a coach like Jeff Rom to have a quarterback with that maturity level and with that experience at the helm for you. And, and, uh, volleyballs, and you talked obviously about JL Johnson as well. Mm-hmm. It will be the bride to be, uh, by the time this hits our site, uh, they'll be uh, exchanging vows. So, uh, Good for them, and we wish them well. Certainly, and uh, it uh, and you're right. I think that's my impression of Aiden as well. He just kind of kind of takes what's next, and uh, it's kind of all been planned for, and uh, he he moves on. So, well, this uh, is uh, yeah. one last little point to make here. I think you know, college sports. You're going to see more and more adults playing college sports. I think yeah. obviously the COVID year. Uh, Tom mentioned Jackson Anthrop and Aiden O'Connell. Both were six year guys because of the COVID year. But I also think NIL keeping guys in school longer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see more, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25 year olds, mm-hmm. you know, playing college basketball, playing college football. Look at Illinois basketball last year. Everyone in their starting five was 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. Why I had to reel off those numbers twice consecutively, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But 
I do think that as college sports gets a little more professional, you know, kind of professionalized, I think it's also just going to get generally older. Um, so I think you're uh, not necessarily saying Aiden O'Connell reflects all of that. But I'm saying the fact that we're talking about how old is Aiden O'Connell? Twenty three. He's going to be. He's going to turn twenty four on September first. Twenty four. Right. So I'm, I think I'm, you're going to see State college State. sports, you know, being in the hands of more twenty four year olds, uh, you know, kind of in the future. That used to be the exception, not the rule. Now I think you're going to see every team have a handful of honest to god grown ups. Yeah. Get this guy real quick. The Purdue two number one, number two, Michael linebackers, Samisi Fakasieki. Kieran Douglas have a combined 13 years of college experience. Yeah, that's, Samisi, that's unbelievable. Samisi's still left over from the Hazel era. Yeah. That's this unbelievable. Is, yeah. I remember when he was recruited right out of Compton, right? So right out of Compton. 13 yeah. right years out of Compton. Seven and six. So talk about right. words. On that note, um, we'll put we'll bring this show to a close and uh, uh appreciate all of you uh taking the time to watch and or listen and i appreciate tom and brian for all their coverage as well we will look forward to uh tom's coverage on the site uh with respect to the start of uh, football and uh that'll be wednesday august 2nd i believe is that it's right tuesday, no, tuesday, tuesday august 2nd tuesday. i'm sorry and uh, that will be fun to to have them on pads, and we'll keep you posted. Also, when we know what the access will be, I'm going to guess if they follow the pattern, there's going to be two or three open days. Yeah, yeah, uh, that. to start maybe. I say, real quick, I do. I think that Friday, that first week, is that fan day. Correct. They're yeah, playing, they're playing Ross Lane Stadium, so that obviously will be open. Friday night. That's right. Six, I think seven to eight o'clock or six to seven yeah. Ross Lane. You can check local listings for that as well. So, all right, guys, have a great week. Thank you, and I want to thank the. the Union Club Hotel, 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate them. We're going to have our first uh, uh, no. Thursday Night Live will be Wednesday Night Live. Tom and I will be there on the night of August 31st, Lord willing, so to speak, uh, for a little bit of that in the Whiskey Room. We'll look forward to that, too. So, guys, no, uh, what and Tom, we'll, we'll have a lot of wisdom to, to, to throw it throw that way as we get to the night before, which will be a big event. Obviously, Purdue Penn State's going to be really crazy in Ross mm-hmm. 8 Stadium. So have a great week, all. Thanks all for watching and listening, and we'll look forward to next week and our Saturday simulcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.